welcome. Welcome to another episode of the DOS Game Club podcast. This is episode number 30, in which we talk about Blackthorn, which uh, we played in, I'm going to say, April. Is that right, Florian? Ah, uh, well, that's a very good question. <laughs> I think it was <laughs> May, uh, was it April? Yes, April. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm not alone. Uh, I'm Martijn, Tijn on the forums, and you heard him already uh, with us, as always, is our trusty co-host, Florian. Hey, guys. Hey. And also joining, he's not been on for a long time, but returning DOS Game Club member, it's Otvar. Hello. Hey, it's good to have you back, man. Thanks. And also returning is Josef. Hello. Hey, cool. Cool to have you on the show. Yeah, glad to be back. Yeah. So uh, we played Blackthorn, right? We did. <laughs> okay. Phew, thank God. <laughs> Panic. What? Che- yeah. che- what? Checks notes. Wait. Am wait. I on the right call? Yeah. <laughs> wait, uh, does, 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 does what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's let's dive into uh, Blackthorn. Yeah, let's do it. Exactly. Traditionally, we always start with the with the one who suggested this particular game. Now, actually, the one who suggested this was Richard, uh, also known as Pix, who has been uh, on the show many times. And I did invite him. And then he said, well, I could join, but actually I don't have a whole lot to say on Blackthorn. But in May, we played Rise of the Robots. And I do have a lot to say about that game. So... <laughs> Lots of good things, probably. Yeah, (laughs) so then he asked to be on the next one. So Richard will be on the next uh, episode talking about Rise of the Robots. But he was the one suggesting uh, Blackthorn, and I don't think he'd ever played it before. So he doesn't have like a childhood memory of this game or anything. It's just just a game that seemed interesting, and he, uh, he thought maybe we should check that out. So I guess my question to you is, has anyone played this game when it came out? Once again, I hadn't even heard about the game before we started playing it here. Oh, really? Mm, Yeah. Hmm. I think this is a somewhat obscure game, actually. I mean... I think maybe I read about it when I was researching some Blizzard stuff, but it never really stuck in my mind. Yeah, exactly. Because... Like you say, it's it's developed by Blizzard, which is obviously this huge name now. 
But they weren't that big at the time when this game came out. It was 1994, I believe. This is one of their first games, really, under that name, under the Blizzard name. And this is more or less before Warcraft, even. So, yeah. But I, I, I find it a bit strange, because you've heard of the, the Lost Vikings, presumably. That's true. They had developed... Well, they did they really make that, or did they just port it to different platforms? Um, yeah, I read about this. I think they made the engine, um, and uh, no, I think they made it because I read a, hmm. a pre like a talk about the making of it, and they originally started with a hundred different Vikings, <laughs> oh, <laughs> which wow. uh, like all with the different. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, that we can do that for a Lost Vikings podcast, which I'm sure will be coming in you know ten years time or something. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, so, so I think they must have been involved in it, but um. Uh, yeah, Lost Vikings is quite famous, I think. And, you know, Warcraft <laughs> yeah. obviously has a whole story um, on its own. Mm-hmm. And so I think Blackthorn is kind of the, the only unknown one from that period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really strange because um, if it hadn't been for the, you know, obvious comparisons with um, Flashback and um, and Prison of Persia, I think it would be even like it would, it would have been stood out as one of the greats, I think. Mm. Yeah, it was a bit... Later, though, I think the the period of the we'll we'll, talk, we'll definitely dive into this more. But it's a cinematic platform, like you mentioned, like Prince of Persia or like Another World or Flashback, and I think all those games came out a few years earlier than this one. So, so I was wondering what what makes a, a cinematic platformer? Does it is it just the platformer with a you know a little bit more story than you know you are this dude shoot everything? Yeah, and also I think. Uh, the traditional platformer is more like Mario. Yeah, okay, so so you need some cutscenes and you need um, like a story that's building up at the same time. Blackthorn is always uh, pitched as a cinematic platformer, but I, I kind of disagree that it's cinematic because hmm. to me, uh, in cinematic platformers, usually what you have is that you have some actions, basically that are pre-scripted. So let's say uh, your character can do something that you couldn't usually have like with only control with three or four buttons and in Blackturn there is a very limited set of actions and there is never actually something that you can like kind of like just push some buttons and some cinematic will play in comparison for example to another world yeah i don't think there are any cutscenes or anything like that in Blackthorn. well there's the intro yeah but not during the game so it's not that cinematic it's more like a puzzle platformer maybe yeah but i mean there are the in between the scenes there are some you know what would you, what, what you call probably cutscenes back in '94. So there is the sort of continual story building going behind it, and I think that's why it's shoehorned into this cinematic platformer genre. But uh, I think it has uh, more story than you probably you know anticipate from hmm. from that kind of game, and I think I think that adds to it. Yeah, definitely. Maybe also just the the um, the similarity in how you play the game to Prince of Persia. Maybe that made people put it into the same category yeah 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 i, I think so yeah um so otvar have you have you played it before this game i have yeah i played it back in the day and i i, I was trying to like to rack my brain on which version i played and I'm, I'm pretty sure i had a shareware release because i only recognized the first few levels and as as far as i can understand that the shareware only had the first three levels so that that would sort of uh, make sense hmm. um and I, I had played some Prince of Persia and I had played this shareware release, but there was a lot of new stuff for me when I played through it now. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I guess I had 
like you know a good impression in, in my memory from it so I think if I had had the full version I probably would have played more but uh, yeah I guess one of these uh, games that you own had a, a shareware copy of yeah and then well, what I did as a kid when I had a small shareware game I would just play it over and over just the same levels <laughs> and yeah that's it then because uh I, I do remember like the um you know the, we're probably going to spend more time talking about but you know the the post where you're shooting the shotgun behind your back and I remember <laughs> thinking that was the most badass thing definitely you know uh, um and uh, yes I have like specific memories from it but only from the first sort of world the first the first few levels which makes sense yeah that that backwards rifle shooting move that's well that's just <laughs> This game is that move. I mean, yeah, and yeah. especially if you couple it and on shooting down one of your, um, you know, fellow, uh, what is it, Anthurians <laughs> or something. Uh, yeah, you just and, execute. And Rusty, I think. Yeah, yeah. you just executing some guy who just uh, gave you some advice. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's uh, that's quite well, you, rare for for a, a game to be that brutal. Well, I mean, obviously not not now, but like. Back then, it felt like, wow, okay, I just shot this guy. Is that yeah. is that okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you guys say that that backwards shooting is the most defining part of the game, but at least the way I played it, I never actually used it. Oh no! Oh yeah, yeah, you, no, you no. never used no, it, no, but no, it is <laughs> it's completely useless. Of course, you never actually do it, but it looks really cool. So, and there's a separate button for it. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I, I wonder how this is on the console because obviously, I think this was a Super Nintendo first uh, release first and foremost so yeah there is a separate button to to do that trick and you never use it i, I can only assume, assume assume it is yeah but super nintendo has lots of buttons so yeah that's true that's maybe that's why they added it yeah maybe <laughs> but on the on the pc version the like on the dot version at least the running and shoot backwards is the same button mm. it just depends on whether you have the rifle out or not yeah i read this because i was playing the one uh they released on battle.net and they've uh, remapped the button so you have yeah. um jump on a separate button and i think you know that would be uh, I, I think that's really good because i the, the amount of times i've um accidentally shot the guy when i tried to <laughs> you know put away my shotgun yeah. and if you if you if you also use that button to jump i think it would be uh, you know disaster yeah but also kind of cool i mean <laughs> yeah so, sounds, sounds a bit like the controls of red dead redemption 2 i don't know yeah <laughs> Let, let's talk to this guy oh sorry i shot you <laughs> yeah 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 oh that that happens all the time yeah definitely so uh joseph had, had you played it before yeah i have actually i i think i had the the shareware version when it came out but i didn't really get hmm. past the first room you know like uh, you come in shoot the two prisoners and that's it uh. Uh, but then a few years later uh like actually most of the games i played that time it came out uh, as a full version in the magazine hmm. so maybe two or three years later and then i played it and i played through the game so oh you you actually beat it then yeah i beat it back then i didn't beat it now but i beat it back then yeah cool that's impressive I also remember playing this game. I thought it was really brutal and really cool, but I don't think I really got really far with it. I don't know why. I don't know if I also had a shareware version and it just ran out of levels or that I just got stuck somewhere. I, I don't remember. I also remember just the first few levels and then that's that's it really. But I yeah, I also played it uh, back when it came out, I guess. I mean, as far as my memory goes... Uh, <laughs> it's not it's not perfect but yeah i think i played it when it came out so yeah, let's see yeah we already mentioned this game is is a cinematic platformer or a puzzle platformer or well what do you call it it's it's really super similar to prince of persia uh 
except that he has a shotgun, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, it yeah. felt almost like the same game yeah. uh, in terms of mechanics. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I can agree with that, but also it it, it's, it seems to be... It's more dependent on items, I think, mm. because you have a very specific set of items and you need to use them to do, you know, one thing. Like, you have a bomb, you're going to use it to blow up a door. If you use the bomb to kill some monster... You know, you need to restart. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's more dependent on item usage, whereas Prince of Persia is uh, more like figuring out the level design, I think. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Maybe maybe we should explain it a little bit to to people who might not have played this game. So I'm, there are some differences between this and Prince of Persia, right? I mean, there's the items, you mentioned those, mm-hmm. but there's also the um, the taking cover. Yeah. Well, but that's that's also, I feel that's also like um, in Prince of Persia, you can parry an attack uh, from your enemy. Mm. I, I think this, this taking cover is basically the same, just translated into the world of guns. Mm. Right. Yeah, that's true because it's like a it's a platformer, but it's it's very much when you when you're into combat, it's not about just you know pressing the button as as fast as you can. Like you actually have to take cover and then wait for the right moment to to shoot. So yeah, it's, it's similar to Prince of Persia in that it's more of a duel rather than just you know um, you know I don't know Mario or whatever where you just you know <laughs> run into things and kill them immediately. Yeah. So yeah, it's got that sort of tactical um, aspect to it, and then, you know this is I think. Both similarly, both the, the the thing that makes it great, but also the thing that makes it really frustrating until you've sort of grabbed um, the the tactic. And I think this is kind of similar to Prince of Persia. Like if you, until you figure out how to do the the duels, it, it can be quite frustrating. Oh yeah, definitely. I think maybe it's actually one of the first like rhythm based games because the sound actually very helps. Yeah, since, uh, yeah, helps a lot because if since you need to know like. This enemy will shoot slowly four times and then I can, sometimes you can time your shot in between. So I think the sound is very helpful and it's really like have to figure out the rhythm of each enemy and then just... Yeah, that's true. That's really cool, actually. Yeah, that's that. exactly how, the, how I did it in the end. You just get into the rhythm of, of the enemy shooting, bam, bam, and then you know right now I have to push the button yeah. and then you will hit without getting hit yourself. Yeah. But it took me, it took me I don't know, hours to learn that. <laughs> yeah. It's it's also quite similar to, to Another World, I feel, and Flashback, because those games are also, uh, they also feature a protagonist with a gun. And the, the battles also feel like duels. So I don't think you could really take cover in those games. I don't I don't think so, but... In another world, you had the shield. That's true. But uh, in another world, uh, the difference I would say that in Black Turn you can basically take as much time as you want yeah. to finish any any single duel. Whereas in another, you, at some point you would run out of juice in your gun, or the enemies would just come too close. So it's a bit different in that aspect. Yeah, you're more rushed in in those games. While in this game, you can take all the time you want. And in fact, I think that's the the way to really play this game is just really take your time it's really cl- quite slow paced yeah so i think that's a good way to define this game it's just a really slow platformer yeah i think the essential thing to mastering blackthorn is just uh being careful yeah exactly oh yeah i, I died so many times just because i got uh, impatient <laughs> yeah if you just run then you won't get anywhere but if you take it really slow then well it, the game is not really even that difficult it's just you just mess up. That's the reason why things yeah. uh, happen to you, but not because the game is so difficult. You you have to be very careful because uh, certain mistakes will insta kill you, and uh, some you know if you make too many mistakes, you just lose all your life and you have to restart. Yeah, 
But I wonder if this is part of the reason why this wasn't a, you know, blaring success. Because many, may, maybe people tried it out thinking it would be like a, you know, Doom kind of style, you know, mm. not, not, not first person shooter, but it's like running f- f- down corridors, you know, blasting down enemies and having fun that way. Yeah. And then they came to try it and it was actually more of a, you know, hide and shoot kind of thing. And maybe they went like, ah, oh, that's not what I wanted. Pass. Yeah. 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 That's very possible. I feel like another reason it, didn't get that much attention, at least for what I feel like, is that it just has too much backtracking. Mm. So the whole game feels like like a huge maze and you have to go back and forth and you have to find the right item and then find out where to use it at what time and in what order sometimes. That's, that was just, I mean, when, when you, as you said earlier, when you mess up, you have to restart. So yeah, and that was the reason why I didn't really finish it in the end. Not because it was super difficult as a game, but because it just got a bit tedious. Mm. Uh, yeah. To, to counter that, I would say that the level design is pretty good, as in each level is fairly limited in space. There is a little bit of back, backtracking, but it's, at least it's not like each level is uh, unlimited in size. Like this, <laughs> it made me think of when I started playing Prince of Persia for a previous Dust Game Club month, mm-hmm. and I played. I don't know how, but I downloaded a, a version that had a like a user modified level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and it was just the longest thing ever, and I was like, really, is this is this how it was? I remember it being quite you know uh, neat and yeah. easy to to get to. And here I'm like wandering around in in mazes and yeah. Yeah, so it's like, uh, you know, even if it's a little bit of backtracking, at least there's a certain, yeah, I don't know, 16, 20 rooms per level or something. Yeah, it's it's a bit smaller per level, but then there's a lot of searching inside the level anyway. Well, in Prince of Persia, I th- I feel like I most of the time knew where to go. So yeah, I mean, it was I, less, I, less of searching. I kind of like the exploring aspect, but yeah, I guess it becomes boring if it's, you know, if the uh, the thing that's really hard is at the end of it. Uh, th- there was like one level in, in particular where the hardest thing was at the very start and I just I just sent a thank you to the level designer because at least you know once I've done that part I know uh, I've done the hardest thing in that level um, <laughs> right and yeah also the you know the restarting from that level uh, is a godsend because I would ne- never have played through it if I if I had to start again <laughs> from from the beginning yeah right just too slow for replaying from the beginning yeah yeah I also noticed the rooms are pretty similar sometimes hmm. so you can also get uh, confused or lost a bit if you don't pay attention to w- where all the rooms are because yeah you can't really see uh, they're not they're, I mean, they are unique, but they're not really like, oh, yeah, this was this was the room to the left and that was the room to the right because they all look sort of similar. They all use the same tiles and stuff. Yeah. So there are no details like uh, like the game is detailed, but there are no like this room has, let's say, uh, some window or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, there's a there's a very limited set of uh, sprites. I mean, I think the graphics is really are, is really good, but uh, yeah, there's there's little to make you remember that oh this was the room with the canteen or the you know yeah, the yeah. bedroom or whatever exactly so you get lost easily yeah. but oh well okay well, well, well we're already talking about the level design i feel there were some places that were a bit unfair maybe because you know that there are those plants on the ground that uh, cost you life points uh, sometimes and sometimes mm-hmm. they just <laughs> they, they place them right off the uh, corner of the room so you step into the next room and you get attacked by them and you cannot do anything if you don't know the level layout already hmm well, I thought that was a bit unfair. Uh, but you can shoot them from the room uh, before. Well, sure, if you know that yeah, they are yeah. there. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there was also one one room where you. Uh, this is a bit later on in the game, and you know, you you step into the room and you immediately meet like a two of those 
rolling bowler guys and you know <laughs> yeah the stone guys yeah. if you don't just press uh, up to hide immediately they you know they will injure you and it's just yeah that's a bit unfair <laughs> like yeah that's not cool man but then again it's not uh it's not insta death though i mean yeah, you have quite yeah. a, a bit of health so you can get hit a few times and it's still okay yeah that's true so it's still nicer than the first level of prince of persia 2 i feel <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i think the game have been made maybe simpler but also better if you could maybe look ahead or look down or look up mm. because sometimes you also have to like kind of jump up but oh yeah absolutely you know that there is a ledge somewhere but then you have to move and try move and try move and try and right and, and that was that, that wasn't even um very uncommon on for super nintendo games right mm. um super mario world had it so yeah and it's couldn't have been that I hard think, yeah if, if you have you know set t- rooms uh style platformer i think it's a bit unfair if you have to jump into the unknown. Uh, like there was one moment where I didn't know where I was going. So I, I tried to hang off a cliff and then fall down. And that obviously was mistakes because I fell down and to my death. But, you know, that kind of stuff. Like if you can't, you can't put enemies immediately when you enter the room, because in, in reality, you'd, you would have seen them, right? So it's just uh, tricking the player kind of thing. Right. And also what happens in a few levels that you jump down, and you see an enemy and you want to hide, but rather than actually hiding, Black Turner will jump up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have to like, okay, so <laughs> yeah. I have to jump down and move and then hide because otherwise it doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. Just on the level design, because I had um, a point to make on that. So I think the level design was is generally quite good, but I, I thought the, the further you get into the game, like it just becomes a bit repetitive. Like you have to blow up that power generator for the door and then you have to, in order to do that, you have to find one of these wasp bombs thing. B bombs, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and then you have to find a key, and that's it. And you you exit the level. There must have been different ways to you know have a, a an end condition for a level, like maybe a bit more original way to blow up the the generator or something. Like it just seems to be repeating the same sort of actions for every level at uh, at the later stage. Yeah, and you know, I, I guess like having big sort of um, you know wall collapses or whatever that might be too much work. But like just having a different way of blowing up the machine, or not even having a a lock machine for for one level i just found it became a bit repetitive yeah i think um you mentioned the items before maybe we can talk a little bit about the items in this game because i feel the items are what sets it apart from other platformers they're sort of unique yeah and they're quite cool actually but they're also somewhat limited i mean i think all in all they're really just three different types of items i mean there's a bunch of bombs Mm -hmm. and there's a bunch of keys and then there's the levitator pad which gets you access to a higher uh level it boosts you up like a like an elevator yeah and you know i feel each of these items is actually quite neat i mean the levitator is cool the bridge key is really cool it's like a key you can put into a bridge and then it the bridge turns on and you can walk across but you can also remove the key and then use it at another bridge again so yeah, that's pretty cool. And the bombs you mentioned, the, the wasp bombs, they're really nice. Um, let's explain what they do, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, go ahead. Uh, well, those wasp bombs are basically just remote-controlled bombs that you can, uh, like like a drone, you, you steer them where you, where you want them, and then you let them explode. Yeah, exactly. And and that's really nice. I mean, you can fly them pretty well. The controls are nice. Right. You know, in the beginning of the game, you you didn't get the wasp bombs. You only get, um, I think it was hover bombs, and they explode on impact. Yeah. So when I got the wasp bombs, I thought they would also explode on impact. So I was yeah. really carefully steering them around. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. 
That's exactly what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, they are really cool. But like you only ever use them when you can't access the power generator and there's like a little window or something. So you can fly the West Bump through there. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's nice. But like it would have been better if it was other uses for them. Like that's the only gimmick they came up with. Yeah. They work pretty much like a key, really. Yeah. So... It's the same for the levitator. I think the levitator is also only you, you pick it up and you use it in one spot and they could just have put a door there more or less. So it's a bit redundant in that in that sense. But at least the levitator makes you able to, uh, you know, go back to a previous screen and continue from there because, you know, you couldn't access that ledge before. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. At least there was bombs. It would be nice if you could like you can't really use them on enemies because you'll always get just two. And then you don't know, maybe I will have to blow up two generators. You can't know. But it would be nice if uh, there were some enemies that you would have to uh, destroy with the bombs as well. But they could have made more yeah. this uh, mechanic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, maybe, I don't know, blow up some, some other thing or, you know, maybe blow up a wall or something. But then I guess that changes the game too much. But yeah, there was one time where I, I, I managed to blow, blow up one of his power generators with a with a firebomb. And usually you use the firebombs to clear the um, the plants. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, like I was standing too close to it, so I got some damage. But I thought that was intended. Like this time you have to uh, blow it up in some other manner. And then I realized I had just missed the whole area where the wasp bomber dude was. <laughs> and uh, there was also some key and stuff, so I couldn't progress. But I, I was yeah. like, ah, oh, okay. So, you know, same same procedure as last year. Well, yeah, that's that, but that's the thing. I mean, I feel the items in this game, they are really pretty clever and they're cool. But then there's only really three scenarios and... Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're just—it's a, it's a bit of a missed opportunity there. Yeah, and I think some more items or just some more ways you could use them that would really have. Well, it would have improved this game massively. There was uh, there was one time when I uh, used the firebomb on, on some guy because he was too annoying, and it it does work. It he did. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's but yeah, you can't use the other bombs because you know you if you do that, there is a door somewhere you can't blow up. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. You can use the bombs to kill enemies, but then you, you get yourself stuck because then you can't use the bombs for the intended purpose of destroying the generator or whatever. So Yeah, exactly. And it, especially in the beginning, you know, there's a lot of doors you have to blow up. And I think the game is just teaching you that, hey, you have these bombs, but you really should hang on to them because they need to be used for one thing. Yeah. Like later on in the game, there's less, uh, you know, uh, doors you have to blow up. There's more the, the power generators. But yeah, so I feel it's a little bit of a lost opportunity because you never feel like you can just use a bomb because there's a particular difficult enemy or something. Um, you, you just you just have to save them. Yeah, exactly. And what also doesn't help is that uh, as you progress... The enemies, I mean, the enemies change a bit. There are different types of enemies that are in different sections of the game. But essentially, I mean, they either just shoot at you or they... Well, in, I think the only enemy that's really different are the, the stone beasts that yeah. roll around. They're really different. And the whip, the guy, the guy with the whip is also a little bit different, maybe. Yeah. But in general, the enemies are just all guys that shoot at you. And the um, the... The rolling guys, the stone monsters, they're just a little bit disappointing because they you just sort of hide and then they can't touch you. Like yeah. the only only time they become challenging is when they place them on a really small ledge and you have to go up there to kill them. But uh, mm -hmm. that just seems like a bad design, really. 
but it, at least they are different and they look cool and they roll around which is funny but um yeah, yeah i kind of wish there was more enemies but there is the the machine gun turret yeah. which uh only just realized like earlier today that you can actually destroy <laughs> what uh, what did you do yeah you can shoot back yeah i know you can shoot back at it yeah, of oh, yeah okay. I, I, I just ran away <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah no, uh, so yeah, yeah. More, more stuff like that. Like there are robots, so why have, why not have more like robot enemies or you know just random things you can shoot at? Because mm. um, yeah, there seems to be a lot of the you know mo- movement and and controls have been made. So just having a little bit of a different type of enemy would have been you know fairly easy, I think. Yeah, I think the the spiders. The, there are uh, these bombs, basically. They're spider mines, I think they're they're called. Yeah, I think those are robots, maybe. Yes, and uh, when I realized you can kill them with the firebomb, I was like, ah, excellent! Finally, uh, a, a way to use the firebomb that isn't just clearing up your uh, your rotten vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but all in all, I mean, it's just. I think that's really what what this game boils down to. It's just there are a few items, but there are. Yeah, not that many, and there are a few enemies, but there are not not that many. So all in all, well, all in all, there are more different enemies than in Prince of Persia, for example, where there's basically one enemy type. <laughs> uh, yeah, but 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 in Prince of Persia, the enemies they have personality. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> so they all fight in a little different way and stuff. So this makes it sort of interesting. But and and also, Prince of Persia is of course played under pressure because you only have an hour to complete it. So, oh yeah. So this yeah. makes it quite exciting and then well this game is just yeah it's just missing that something that makes it interesting it all yeah that's it's a, it's a very different uh, approach because you, you feel under no pressure whatsoever in, in this game exactly in fact yeah, like exactly. the the play style is, is almost you know you, you should you should play with, with taking your time and with lots of patience because that's the best way to not screw up so mm-hmm. yeah it's very different to the um, Prince of Persia and, and yeah. I'm, I wasn't the biggest fan of the whole one hour to finish the game because I feel like you know you can't explore as much as you should do but mm-hmm. I think it, it makes it a lot more uh Exciting, exciting, and and difficult, but also you know you f- you feel under real pressure because yeah. if you if you sort of slog around too much in the beginning, you will potentially put yourself in an unwinnable state, which is quite quite interesting. Yeah, maybe the thing is that the the hiding basically there is only one enemy in the whole game that can can't be avoided by hiding, and that's the final boss. Mm-hmm. But it seems a bit weird that like these spider mines, for example, like that's it's a really bad design. Also, the turrets like they only shoot in the straight line. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's it's. I think this hiding like it's an interesting concept, but in the end, it basically reduces all of the enemies to the same thing. Like you hide until you can shoot them and uh, or avoid. Yeah, and this adds to this feeling of tediousness. Like, yeah, once you've figured it out, it's just a matter of doing it, and it's. Well, I don't want to say the game is boring, but it sort of is, though. It's, yeah. It feels like shareware game. Basically, the first three levels are really cool. And then when you buy the game, you're like, hey. <laughs> it's just more of this. Oh. More of this with different graphics. <laughs> yeah. I feel that's very true, to be honest. Yeah. Well, it's not completely the same because uh, I wrote a little list down here. It's actually, it's four worlds, right? Yeah. So uh, the first, we talked about the first few levels. They are all in the mines. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose this this ties into the story somewhat. I mean, there's actually a very elaborate story to this game uh none of which is actually explained in the game uh or only very small bits of it 
I tr- I tried to piece together the story because I was a bit confused. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Who isn't? <laughs> begin- so I assume it, there was some sort of uh, you know player manual or something mm-hmm. uh, that explained the story because um, it, I finally found it on on you know Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, because uh, they keep referring to in the intro that uh, he wants to take the light stone from your dad, basically. Yeah, and and at the end of the game, there's a reference to oh, well, uh, the Blackstone is no longer a, a problem. It's like what? Yeah, how it how well, how did that change? But yeah, <laughs> so you know, if if you read on the Wikipedia, it, it explains that there were two stones because the original uh, king of the kingdom couldn't decide which son to give the kingdom to, so he split them into two stones or something and gave them yeah. to one each. Yeah, and then one became corrupted and the other one didn't, and then the corrupted one attacked the. The nice guys, and that's that's where we are. Exactly, and none of this is really explained in the game in any way, but the game does come with a manual, and the first 20 pages of the manual are this story. So, ah, beautiful. Yeah, so I only, need to check that out. <laughs> <laughs> so only when you when you read through the manual, I think the actual manual to the game, which you know explains the controls and and how to install it, that's like five pages, and then the rest is <laughs> is this story. <laughs> Uh, which is all in text. There's no drawings or anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but I, I, I so, think yeah. this is really cool. Like uh, this is, I think, where the blisteredness is, uh, you know, represented. Because you know, you could just have a run and gun game, or you could you know, make it a bit more personally. And then, I mean, even Prince of Persia, you know, less uh, has a limited story. But uh, you know, it does have a can we call it cutscenes? But like. Yeah, I think this is cool. Like, if you if you if you got a manual back in '94 and you you know you go home and you're on the way home and you read a manual and you're like, oh, this sounds amazing. Like, uh, yeah, you know, you have 20 pages to get through just before yeah. you even boot up the game. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's uh, that's really adds to the whole atmosphere and uh, yeah. So, like you said, I mean, the 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 game is set on on a remote planet called. And you play a guy called Kyle Blackthorn Vlaros, who is the son of the King Vlaros. Does and does the manual say that his name is Vlaros, or is it yeah. just assumed? Okay, yeah, yeah, it's it's all explained in the manual. And King Vlaros, like you said, he is the Lightstone King, and he is king of the good guys, the Androti, who are the well, the, the humans, sort of, I guess. And then the Darkstone, the other empire, they corrupted and they turned into monsters, and they. Uh, their leader, Sarlacc, want to attack the Androthy kingdom and enslave all the people. And, well, that's all going on. And, and weirdly, you're on this remote planet, but the king sends you, his son, to Earth. I don't know why or how or... I mean, suddenly, apparently, we're getting aliens onto this planet. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. And Kyle just lives on Earth for 20 years. And he becomes an army captain or something, but then he he ends up in prison and he breaks out of prison. This is all explained in the manual. This is really dramatic with chapters and everything. It's, oh, yeah, he's in prison, but he broke out. <laughs> and then after escaping the prison, he returns to his home planet, Tool, and he... Uh, well, that's actually where the game starts. Then then he wants to take back his kingdom, revenge his father, beat Sarlacc, unite the stones, and, well, everything will be all right. Does the does the manual explain what happened in those twenty years when he was gone? Uh I don't have it with me right now, but I think yeah, I think most of it is is explained in it. Because uh, that wasn't obvious. If you know, presumably they you know they sacked the the kingdom and and just overtook it and killed everyone. So I assume all the people you meet throughout the journey are like holograms or some kind of recording or whatever, because. 
He keeps saying like, you know, goodbye, farewell. Uh, uh, no, I think, I don't, I don't think they're holograms. I think they're really, I think they're enslaved. That's really the thing. So the, uh, okay. so the bad guys called the Kadrasul, they, well, they're the orcs, basically. They're just monsters. Uh, and they enslave the humans, uh, the Androthy, mm-hmm. into working into the mines. And that's, that's what ties into the four worlds of this game. So you start in the mines uh, and then you fight through into the forest. And that's where you first meet the, the purple guys, right? Yeah. They look like humans, but they're actually turned evil and they're corrupted. So, yeah, you fight those. And then you head into the desert, which is the third world. And then through the desert, you finally end up in the castle of Sarlacc, which is the... Well, that's where the end battle takes place. And then, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and then after beating Sarlacc, that's the game. So it's it's 16 levels, I think. It's four levels per world. Yeah, and uh, one final battle at the end, which... Exactly. I, yeah. I gotta say, though, the, the worlds look really great and they all have different, uh, you mm-hmm. know, sprites and uh, themes and atmosphere and, like... You know, I think it's the is it a forest when you have like lightning at the back and it looks really cool and hmm. uh, yeah, so there's really good work on dif- making the, them different and different music and yeah, so it's just a little bit disappointing that they don't have too much variation on the enemies, but yeah, let's let's give them some credit that uh, you know they managed to create four very different looking worlds and I think yeah, like the last world has like flowing lava and just looks really cool and. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of variety in in that sense. Yeah, yeah, I think you were right when you said this is where the blizzardness really shines through because, well, this whole elaborate backstory, but also all these fairy tile sets. It's just it looks really good and it seems interesting and it's it's. I think it's just solidly made. It's just too bad that it lacks in content a bit. But I'm sure that if they had gone on with this series and there would have been a Blackthorn two and a Blackthorn three, then. I think by then they would have added tons of stuff to the game and it could have been really cool. Like, that's what they did with their other games. So mm-hmm. now, now that you're mentioning that, um, I, I just read that Warcraft came out only two months after the Super Nintendo version of Blackthorn. Yeah. Do you think maybe they um, removed some resources from Blackthorn so that they could work on Warcraft? That's very possible. Yeah, they were definitely developing these two games at the same time. Uh, and even some of the same people uh, have worked on both games. So yeah, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if the uh, people who designed the orcs uh, was mm-hmm. involved because they're very uh, reminiscent <laughs> of uh, the Warcraft orcs, which is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. So I I could imagine they had planned maybe for more variation, but then they saw they had this big thing called Warcraft mm. and decided to put all the resources into that. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, it could be. Uh, I, I was going to say, like, we, we go, you know, we criticized it a little bit and I, I was just going to say there was a couple of occasions when I was down to, like, three or one health and, like, tr- I felt I was close to getting to the end of the level and that was, like, a real good, you know, um, good sort of challenging feeling where I was, like, uh, have to be ex- extra careful and I felt like I was um, on a on a knife edge, and that was really cool. Uh, so even though the game is, uh, you know, rewards patience, it does also mm. have its moments where you're like you really, yeah, struggling to you know one step and you're dead kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, all in all, I really enjoyed playing it. I mean, I played it all the way to the end, so that's that says something. Mm-hmm. I don't finish a lot of the games we play every month, but this one just, yeah, it grabbed me. So I'm shocked. I thought that was a requirement for being uh, the DGC host. 
Oh, exposed. Oh, no, my web of lies. Uh, scandal. <laughs> um, uh, Florian, you mentioned uh, how this game was developed uh, alongside Warcraft. Maybe we should talk a little bit about uh, how this game came to be and the development of it. Sure. I just don't know much about it. <laughs> well, I'm no expert either, but I did look some stuff up. Um, we we said this game is by Blizzard, but that actually they were founded in 1991 as uh, Silicon and Synapse or Synapse. I don't know how you pronounce it, but yeah, they had a different name. Uh, and they were founded by three people who were just fresh out of uh, the University of California at the time. They're uh, Michael Morheim, Frank Pierce and Alan Adam. I think all three of these people actually also worked on the game. I'm not sure about Alan, but... Definitely the other two. Yeah, I saw a, I saw a comment. Uh, I think there was a history of Blizzard uh, write-up and someone said this was definitely a Frank's game. Hmm. And he said, hey, hey, I, I only did the programming. I didn't design it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, apparently he was the guy they used to do the rotoscoping. So he's the guy doing all the movement stuff and then they drew oh. uh, drew the frames on top of him. So yeah, he's the he's the guy. <laughs> wow, he's really badass then. Yeah, and, that's cool. and he also said that the two main guys doing the art were... They both had long black hair. <laughs> ah, yeah. Exactly. So that, that's why all the all the men in the game have long black hair. So it's uh... <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, it's very nineties looking. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I read they were shortly renamed to Chaos Studios in uh, in nineteen ninety three. But then eventually, in 1994, they became known as Blizzard. And at first, they mostly worked on porting console games. We we mentioned the Lost Vikings already. So that's that's not a port, actually. That's one of their original games. Uh, but they also worked on Rock and Roll Racing for the Super NES, which I'm not sure if they actually developed or just ported that. I think I read that this was the first game that actually had Blizzard uh, on it as a... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's definitely true. Yeah, be- but, because they had their all their old names on the other games. So, what does Lost Vikings say and and Rock and Roll Racing? Is that does it use one of the the Synapse name or the? Yeah, yeah, uh, okay. exactly. I guess they fixed it in later releases because I definitely remember seeing Bliss- the Blizzard logo before Lost Vikings. Hmm. Okay. Maybe I, I don't know. Maybe that's the PC release or something, or maybe that's the second. Uh, could be the second one. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. But they also worked on a Superman game, by the way, the death and return of Superman. Yeah, you're right. The, this is their first uh, original game under the name Blizzard. Or maybe the Superman game is also under Blizzard, actually. But, uh, well, who cares? So this is quite a, you know, quite a significant uh, game in the, the history of one of the major yeah. uh, game companies. Well, totally. Also because this game uh, was released on PC with the name Blizzard on it. Mm. So, yeah, I mean... I guess they're more known as a PC game developer now. Yeah. But at the time, they were mostly making console games, Super NES and uh, Sega Mega Drive Genesis uh, games, mostly. And like you said, Florian, they released this game in September 1994. Uh, but that was the, the Super NES version. Mm-hmm. And then in November of that year, they released Warcraft. And then in December of that year, they released Blackthorn on PC. So... Yeah, it was pretty busy at the Blizzard office, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and like you said, Otvar, uh, they used the 2D rotoscoped uh, sprites. So that's like when you film someone, right? And then you draw over it. Yeah, and apparently they used uh, up to a thousand frames wow. in, in order to get the animation. So yeah, that's why it's... I mean, it's the same technique uh, Jordan Mechner did, mm. right? He, he recorded his brother. Definitely. So yeah, it's um, this is a bit newer, but there's more detail to, the, to Mr. Blackthorn than there is to... What is the prince called? The, the Prince of Persia, I guess? Just the, the prince. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> He's actually not the prince. Yeah. <laughs> He's just the prisoner. Prisoner, yeah. The prisoner of Persia, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, obviously the um, the main character is really, uh, well, I think it's nice nice pixel art and, you know, uh, animating that is, is quite a lot of work. Yeah, definitely. What's interesting is that later they released this game on the Sega 32X, hmm. which... Does anyone know what that actually is? Is that some kind well, of add-on? It's an ex- yeah, it's an extension for the Genesis or Mega Drive. Right. So that's 32 bits, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, and also, they also released it on the on the Macintosh in 1996. And what's interesting about those two ports is that they replaced the beautifully rotoscoped, hand-drawn uh, sprites, and they replaced them with 3D renders. Yes, of uh, of of the character, and it looks uh, well. How does it look? It, it to my eyes, it looks kind of terrible, honestly. Yeah, but uh, awful. But the, but the shotgun is twice as big. Okay, that that does <laughs> that's something. Yeah, and his uh, his <laughs> chest is also ridiculously big. But uh, no, it is it it doesn't look like it belongs in the same screen. Like you have this really. I don't know the, the, the colors and the, the oh yeah the, the sort of I, I don't like it at all. And I think <laughs> no. I, I'm looking at at some screenshots now and it really looks like someone just, just like an amateur just used some sprites they found on the internet and put them <laughs> on the tile set they found on the internet yeah exactly and and, and the if you look at the video it doesn't get any better and it's just uh, yeah where the original like it looks like it, it makes sense that this that the characters and the background is in the same game this one just uh, it screws up everything but uh, obviously back in the day I think it got really good receptions. Like, yeah, look at that graphics, man. Like, oh, yeah. this is amazing. 3D objects. Yeah, it was all about the 3D in the mid-90s. So anything 2D was uh, all, we don't like that. And 3D was all, yeah, yeah, 3D is cool. So I guess this is the result. It definitely doesn't hold up very well nowadays. And interestingly, uh, the Blizzard has re-released the game since uh, for free uh, through Battle.net. Yes. But if you download that version, you get the original uh, rotoscope sc- uh, sprites again. So... So that's a yeah. passive-aggressive way of saying. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the the only thing the 32x version has going for it that uh, I, I I really liked was that they have a fifth world, yeah. which is like a a snow or shall we call it a blizzard world? Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that looks really cool. Uh, so you know, another four levels. Hmm. Has anyone played that version? Apparently not. No. Yeah, me neither. Someone said they were going to play. I think it was Pix himself, wasn't it? Yeah, he, yeah. He's going to bust out his thirty-two X and try it out. So let's let's check on the forum and see if he did. Yeah, who's going to do that? <laughs> well, we can check with him later. But yeah. uh, I, I had a read yesterday, and I, I he only said he was about to do it. He didn't post any follow up. I think. Ah, okay. Well, we can ask him in the next podcast. See what happened. Yeah, I, I, he also said something else that I wanted to ask him. So uh, let me try and catch up because there was one level he was really annoyed with and i just played through it and i couldn't i was i wasn't sure which mm. one it was but anyway i don't know 
Um, I think it's interesting to name a few of the names of people who worked on this game. It's it's developed by quite a small team, which was really common back in those days. But they are all big Blizzard names. And almost all of these people worked on, well, all of the Blizzard games that came after, like Warcraft and Starcraft. And some even worked all the way up to Overwatch. So uh, the, the, the main programmers are Frank Pierce himself, the founder. And Patrick Wyatt, I think it's pronounced. And Michael Morheim was involved with uh, porting it to the PC because it was really focused on the Super NES at first. The level design is by Ronald Miller Sr. Uh, There are four main artists, Roman Kenny, Stuart Rose, Jason Magnus and Sam Didier, uh, who I think also all worked on lots of other Blizzard games. It was mostly written by Mickey Nielsen. So I guess he wrote the whole 20-page uh, intro story in the in the manual. <laughs> um, or actually, he I think he was credited for doing the dialogue. So maybe he wrote the, the things people say in the game. That's also possible. Uh, the audio was done by Glenn Stafford. And interestingly, there's a special thanks to Elvis Presley. What? Maybe he helped. I think he did. He must have. The spirit of Elvis Presley was summoned. I don't know why. Well, the spirit. He, obviously, he's alive and working for Blizzard. <laughs> well, it's actually interesting. If you look it up on Moby Games and you cl- you click on Elvis Presley, he's credited in many other games as well. So <laughs> Maybe it was like the office soundtrack for like during development. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But, uh, well, well done, Elvis. Actually, what's it with it? Elvis and Interplay? Because in Fallout, you can also find his picture and everything, so... Maybe it's something good. Yeah. Maybe it's like a, an ongoing in-joke. Just like, you know, if you're old enough to remember Seinfeld, they always mention Superman. Yeah, maybe. It's, I don't know. But, uh, well. So, yeah, all in all, it's a quite a small team. I think it's 10 people total. Do they mention if the, the audio for the Super Nintendo version is, is done by the same guy uh, who done did the PC version? Because obviously there are different soundtracks. I'm not, I don't know. Because I, I had a listen to the Super Nintendo version. It's very different. I guess they have a you know different chip and everything. So, mm, yeah. But I, uh, yeah, I really like the, the music on the PC version. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's great. It's very atmospheric and very ambient. Yeah. Uh, I think we can play a clip, actually. Yeah. I've prepared one from the earlier levels. Let's just have a listen. Yeah.
I'm going to take a wild guess and, and say that Mr. Glenn Stafford probably was involved in the music for Warcraft 1 as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It yeah, sounds very similar. Yeah, it's, I, I was saying ambient because that's how I remember it. But this, this track doesn't sound very ambient at all. This is, it has a lot of tension, actually, right? Yeah, this is really war, war-like, you know, with a pulsing beat. So, yeah, I remembered it being more mellow, but um, apparently I remembered wrong. Maybe maybe I picked an uh, outlier. Yeah, I don't know. I think they they're quite different for each of the worlds. Yeah, like yeah, it's just, it's um, a lot more mellow in the beginning. I think in or maybe did you say this one was from the first world? Uh, yes. Oh, okay, so mostly the second and third world where the music gets a bit into the background and yeah. The... Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. Initial tension and then the final push. Exactly the old curve. But it's really cool. I mean, they make good use of the OPL chip. Uh, and it's, yeah, it just sounds really nice. Because this is not CD music. Mm-hmm. Even though it sounds, to me, it sounds pretty good. But it's, uh, yeah, it's just these tiny instructions sent to the uh, Sound Blaster chip. So that's impressive. I think one last thing to, to mention about the development of this game is that it was published by Interplay. Uh, and we mentioned interplay before because in our episode on wasteland we talked uh, quite a bit about uh, brian fargo in particular who is the founder of interplay they later also published and developed uh, fallout of course and they developed wasteland as well Uh, they started publishing their own games in the late 80s in 1988 they published uh, neuromancer and battle chess and I think that's when they started to publish other people's games as well. Uh, and they, they published quite a few hits. Uh, Descent they published, Baldur's Gate, and, uh, well, many others. Planescape Torment as well, I believe. And Well, they, at one point in the 90s, they were quite a big publisher, actually. Yeah, so, uh, sure. And this also says something about the... Um, well, you, you would think nowadays that Bl- Blizzard doesn't need a publisher, right? I mean, Blizzard just puts out the game and everyone buys it. But back then, the fact that they developed the game and then needed Interplay to get this uh, game into the stores mm-hmm. says something about the size of their company at the time. There was uh, one random thing that was always mentioned when I on any page mentioning this game, and it says uh, Blackthorn or Blackhawk, as it's known in certain European countries. So I, I oh. kind of got annoyed about that. And so I, I looked into it, and yeah, so apparently, in I didn't specify where, but some in some regions in Europe, there's a beer called Blackthorn. Ah. So they couldn't call it Blackthorn because so they feared, uh, you know, legal suing or whatever. Yeah. So they they call it Blackhawk in certain places. <laughs> okay. Which makes it really hard to Google, actually. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. I never heard of a beer called Blackthorn. I, I never seem to be able to find where exactly they've called it Blackhawk. But uh, yeah, that's one small nugget of information that I can contribute. (laughs) That's interesting. I thought Blackhawk was the name uh, it was released under in the US. But actually, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Uh, Because, well, they were in the US themselves. So Yeah, no, it's certainly definitely in Europe, but uh, yeah, some parts of Europe. Okay. So yeah, we talked a little bit about the sound and uh, well, other than the music, there's not a whole lot of sound going on, is there? I mean, there are some digital sound effects, like the shotgun and the, some monsters grunting a bit. Yeah. Well, I think like Joseph mentioned earlier, the the, mus- the sound's actually quite vital because um, you, that's how you know when to shoot back. And uh, mm, That's true. Uh, th- there's one really uh, interesting part in one level where you 
literally can't see your character anymore. You're in like a, a room. Yeah. And the only thing you can use to find out what to do is, is to listen to the sound. So there's a guy shooting at you. You can't see him. You can't see yourself. But you have to shoot him because he has an item that you need. Yeah. And I thought that was quite a cool uh, gimmick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the click, click of the, the shotgun. You're um, uh, reloading. Yeah. So that's that's how you know he's there. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I, I think you can't play this game uh, without sound. <laughs> no. No, that's that's true. Yeah. Speaking of sound as well, it's very usually very realistic. There are no like weird noises except for one thing that I haven't understood is like what's the sound that the plants make when you shoot them? <laughs> like, because that's yeah. like straight out of Nintendo like uh, entertainment system. Like it's really weird. 8-bit noise that yeah. comes out. They're clearly, you know, an organism that can talk because they, they scream out in, in agony, don't they? Hmm. Yeah. And it's an alien planet also, so who knows? Who, who knows what's possible in outer space? But uh, if we're talking about the graphics... Well, we also mentioned the graphics a bit before, haven't we? It's it's nothing really groundbreaking for 1994. It's no. just VGA and and 256 colors. It it looks good, but um, I I wonder why they didn't go with crawling graphics. I mean, Commander Keen did it four years before, so technically it would have been possible, I assume. Yeah. So I, I really wonder why they decided to not go with that. It would have made lots of the places more logic, I think. Mm. So. Uh, mm. Just, just one random idea. Maybe it's to do with the jumping, as in it might be even harder to do jumping if you, if you, if it's everything is moving. Right. All right. Because it's very much, you yeah. know, uh, you have to time your jumps perfectly. And I, I'm not saying the controls are perfect or that good, but yeah, if you, if your screen is moving, it makes. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe that's an excuse. Right. There, there are a few places where you have to do a running jump, right? And um, unlike Prince of Persia, uh, the input is not really buffered, right? Mm. So in, in Prince, when you when you run towards a latch and you press jump a bit too early, the the, the guy will still jump at the right moment. And in this yeah. game, not so much. Yeah, he also runs just a lot faster. Right. Well, that's also what makes the game a bit challenging. I mean, otherwise, there's not a whole lot that really requires you. Well, the shooting maybe, yeah, but yeah. Action stuff, yeah. Yeah, I think the the, the jumping controls is uh, one of the source of frustration. Cause yeah, it, oh, yeah. Totally. It, it, there's a few occasions where, well, quite a few occasions where if you miss it, you die. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you have to be super specific on when to press and it feels like your game doesn't always agree when, when you pressed. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so similar to Prince of Persia, but at least with Prince of Persia, if you understand how the game takes the input, it's fairly predictable what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I, I felt like I, I randomly jumped too early much more in this game. Mm. Yeah, but you also just have loads more time in Prince of Persia. Like what Florian talked about, there's just a lot of time between pressing the button and him actually doing the move in yeah. Prince of Persia, but not in this game. So, yeah, it's fairly precise and fairly twitchy. But yeah, I, I, we, we talked about the sprites earlier, and there, there's a quite a lot of cool sprites. Obviously, we have the backhanded shooting, but it's also like if you run into a wall, he will put out the hand to stop himself. Yeah, that's cool. And it's like details like that. And if you jump with too much speed into a wall, he will uh, fall back off the wall. Uh, and it's just like all these details are really cool. Um, and obviously, many games opt not to include such details, and I think it's really cool that they did. Yeah, definitely. We also talked a little bit about the different versions, uh, like how the game was originally developed for the Super NES. 
So actually, the DOS version is a port. Yeah. And then later to the Sega and the Mac, which used the weird 3D sprite stuff. Did you know that the game was also released in 2003 on the Game Boy Advance? Yeah, I had to look that up because I was wondering how, how that would look and how it would... It looks very saturated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, if that was for the... At the same time I was released uh, for the PC, I think it'd be okay. But in 2003, I, I don't know, I'm not sure. But um, I don't know how it was received. Yeah. No, me neither. I have never played... Uh, well, I, I wanted to say I've never played that version. I've never played any game on the Game Boy Advance, <laughs> to be honest. So, Well, I, I think it, it, it must have been at least uh, somewhat popular because the Game Boy Advance version is easily available on eBay, for example. Huh. Well, th- maybe everyone is ditching it because they don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that still means they had to sell them first. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. It is ridiculously saturated, don't it? Like Florian says, it's like, yeah. <laughs> like it's almost like, hard to look at because it's it paints my eyes <laughs> yeah and all the colors all the like all the neon colors like you know light green light yellow white just like rah, screaming at you right <laughs> i'm not sure about the um cool. the color depth of the gba maybe maybe mm. there's just not that much color depth available i don't know mm. so i don't know and in 2013 finally the game was released on um windows and mac os x through Battle.net, um, Blizzard released the game for free, actually. It's in their classic section, I think. If you go to the website now, you can click on uh, the, the classic games or something, and there's a list, and you can just download it for free right there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's really cool. And uh, they've done the same for the Lost Vikings, right? Yeah, I think. yeah, lots of other games as well. But I think it's really cool. You know, obviously they have, <laughs> they didn't have to do that and they're releasing it for free. But I think it's really cool that they're taking care of their back catalogue because, hmm. you know, I think this is a, well, I think it's a little bit of a hidden game. And in a certainly, I don't think, you know, <laughs> modern uh, new generations are probably not going to, you know, think this is a, a must must play but they, at least it gives them the option to see you know what where blizzard came from and what the what they were doing before they, they were doing um, overwatch and such things yeah yeah definitely someone did add to the to the notes document here that they did change the the new version a little bit the windows version yes they removed the passwords because before you had a password for each level mm-hmm. and in the re-release version they basically just you start a new game and then you can only continue exactly which is nice but then also it means that you can't skip levels yeah so at the end i ended up playing the those version of the game because <laughs> i got too frustrated mm-hmm. yeah you could just look up the level codes and just start where you want it I do wonder why they didn't make a, a load safe mechanism. I mean, especially for the DOS version, that seems well. That that makes more sense than to have these codes to me. But right, um, maybe I don't know. Maybe they had the code written in a high level language already, and I think on, on the Super Nintendo it was more common than on the older consoles. Yeah. So maybe it's it's a pretty pretty straight port of the existing code, and they just replaced the low level drivers. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, because th- th- they said they wrote the the system to make platformers and uh, they did it for Interplay. And then one of the things they got from that was uh, a license to use it. So they, you know, used their own code to produce this one and the, the Lost Vikings. And I think this, that, that has um, passwords as well. And I think that was just a common thing for consoles back back then. Right. So it makes sense that they would just use that even when they're porting it because, you know, it's not that much different to loading and saving, really. And what's really nice is when you uh, quit the game, uh, it prints the last code, the last password to the DOS prompt. Nice. 
So if you forgot to write it down, then you can write it down still then. So. Right. right. Well, one more thing related to that that we didn't mention. Um, in the first few levels, you can actually keep a few items um, until the end of the uh, levels. But as soon as you get to the next level, they're all gone. Ah, uh, so yes. Yeah. yeah. With a, with a pa password that actually, uh, when, when you load or continue from the last level, it's always the same. So that's mm. fair, I guess. Yeah. But also, also weird that you, for no reason, you lose your items, even though it feels like you're just progressing through this world. So there, there are no loads, loads between, right? So, That's very yeah. true because you, um, you take a, you know an elevator up and then you continue, but then you just lost your bomb. Oops. Yeah, <laughs> he's just not very careful. And I don't <laughs> oh, I guess I, I won't need that anymore. Exactly, leave it on the elevator. <laughs> so, what did people think of the game when it came out? Yeah, it's really mixed. Uh, I think so. When you look it up on uh, Moby Games, there are some reviews that go as low as forty, actually. Whoa! Out of one hundred, and then there are others that are in the uh, mid eighties range. So hard to say what people thought. Hmm. I have looked up some Czech magazines from the time, mm -hmm. and uh, both of them they were basically saying that the game is not really not original and it's like a flashback clone but both of them are really praising blood okay. in the game and one of them even said it's bloodier than Rambo <laughs> which I think kind of tells us like the games back then like if they would have seen Mortal Kombat now they would probably the ratings would be different but uh, yeah it seems like the people like that it's very gory yeah. and it's it isn't that bloody it's all, it doesn't yeah. look like it, maybe back then yeah well I don't yeah It is pretty brutal, though. I mean, it does feel like it's like you're a tough guy and you're just, you know, shooting these guys who are up in change. And I don't know. It's, Especially in the it, first few levels, like it's almost designed yeah. so that you will shoot someone by accident. Totally, totally. And then you'll be like, shit, did I just kill that, you know, my fellow prisoner? And then, yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Like the game doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the good thing is that if you shoot anybody who actually has an item for you, It will just drop. Yeah. So you can't lock yourself out of the game just by shooting around people. Yeah, that's very nice. Yeah. yeah I'm just reading the worst review on Moby Games. And okay. It's from Computer Gaming World. And yeah. the, um, the author writes, So who is Blackthorn going to please? I'd put my money on nobody. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, they gave it a 40% or something, right? Yeah. I, I think uh, also Blackthorn is misspelled here. I don't know if that's a misquote on Moby Games only or if the original was already like that, but doesn't doesn't put this review in a very nice light either. So No. Um, the Richard uh, Pix on the forums, who, who was the one that suggested this game, he also scanned in some of his old uh, magazines uh, that he still kept. Um, and they also reviewed this game. They actually reviewed it under the name Blackhawk. So I guess in the UK, there's a beer brand called Blackthorn. I don't know. But in the UK, it was apparently uh, known as Blackhawk as well. Um, these reviews are not really very good. Uh, this is PC format uh, giving it uh, 53% saying it's... Uh, it, well, they're saying it looks good, but it's all... We've all seen this before. It's predictable. It gets mono monotonous. Yeah, exactly. Basically the same things we've been saying as well. It's, yeah, it's just not that enticing. And PC Gamer, he also, it, they're slightly nicer. They give it a 65%. They say Blizzard Entertainment gets an A for effort, but unfortunately a big C for achievement. Huh. So... <laughs> 
Yeah, they're not really into it. I think also because the times were changing. Like you said, Doom had come out and games were more fast-paced and 3D games were coming out. And, you know, this game just feels a little bit outdated, I suppose, at the time. This game has nothing of what was going on back then. So, yeah... I think maybe if this was released nowadays as a as an indie game on Steam, it might get better reviews than than at the time. Yeah, because now it would be, you know, it's like it's like flashback in Prince of Persia. Like, wow, we haven't yeah. seen these games in 30 years. Yeah, exactly. And then back then it was, oh, another one of those. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. <laughs> and also maybe the price is just a bit steep because uh, apparently this game was sold for £40 in the UK. The PC version? Yeah, I mean, uh, for for a super super NES game, that makes sense because they are expensive to make. But okay, exactly. So I mean, another world was fifteen pounds. So you know, forty for for a game like this for sixteen levels, maybe just a bit much. Yeah. So yeah, mixed reviews apparently, but very bloody. So that's that's something, right? <laughs> People in the Czech Republic were happy. In Czech Republic, the all of the scores are above eighty or more. <laughs> yeah. Very mixed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we mentioned it's free uh, from from Battle.net, from Blizzard's website. So, yeah, if you want to check it out, that's that's a really good option, actually. Um, now, if you want to get it uh, like a boxed copy, like physical for your collection, you could go onto eBay. But, well, I don't know. I, I only looked around a little bit, but it seemed very expensive. And When I looked for it, I couldn't find a single version for DOS. There are quite a few for the um, NTSC SNES, so for the US version, mm. and yeah. tons of the Game Boy Advance version. But other than that, I couldn't really find much. Hmm. Yeah, I think I saw one or two DOS versions uh, on CD-ROM, actually. Oh, that's probably a re-release, right? Yeah, that must be a re-release, because originally this game came on floppy disks. Uh, the system requirements are actually really low, so that's interesting. I mean, you can run this game on a 386. So uh, that's for 1994. That's Yeah, huh. that's really interesting. I, I was, I was uh, trying to find out what the shareware version had, uh, or if there was one. And I, I came over someone was selling a shareware disc on eBay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so I, but I think I was just, you know, it's not an official disc or anything. It's just literally a, a, a floppy drive with Blackthorn on it. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what, what are they asking for that? Like $7 or something. Wow. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can be yours today. Yeah. Uh, I think if you find a, a, a nice boxed copy, it can get pretty expensive on eBay. So, uh, Yeah. This game seems, uh, I don't know, people are collecting it probably because of the Blizzard branding. Oh, yeah. Uh, people want to get their Blizzard collection complete. Yeah. That would make sense. So, um, yeah, I think I think we can wrap this up. Um, what did you think of it, all in all? I mean, does this game hold up nowadays? Is it, well, is it what you expected or... Well, uh, to be honest, uh, it's not a bad game, but uh, if you miss it, you don't really miss that much, to be honest. Yeah. So, um, as I said, I I didn't really finish it. I played about um, half of the game, Mm -hmm. and I thought that was enough for my taste, at least. Yeah. What uh, what are your thoughts, Otvar? Well, I think it's it's got a lot of details and a lot of care that went into it. Like, the stuff, like, we talked about the blizzardization of it, and... Like in the background, you know, you know how you have these these bridges that you can activate, and they have like this green sort of 
polo floor thing that you're walking on. And in the background of some levels, you can see the same bridges. So it's just like, oh, okay, so they have some bridge activated over there. Okay, that's cool. And um, all the story stuff, I really dig that kind of shit. And um, there's stuff like before the boss fight, he threatens to say, you know, I'll put your head on uh, on the wall as a trophy. Mm. And sure enough, in the windscreen, the, his head is on the wall as a trophy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then just stuff like all that details, I really like. I think um, I also like that they have, you know, you upgrade your gun, you, you get more health mm-hmm. um, and you can, you can't see how powerful the gun is, but you can kind of feel it because you know how many shots you use to take, to take one of the, you know, standard enemies down and you can see it, it goes quicker now. And it also gives a different animation and a different sound effect, which is really neat. Um, I kind of wish they had put in either more bosses or just removed the boss completely because that. At the end of the game, you have to do this boss fight, and the whole way you control the character just doesn't really lend itself to boss fighting because you end up like having to put away your shotgun, move a bit, take up, take a, out the sh- shotgun again, uh, turn around, shoot, and then dodge again. And it, it doesn't really feel like fluid. It is like awkward, and it's a completely different way of playing to the patient approach we've discussed. So it feels like okay, they wanted a different thing for the end end fight but it doesn't really fit the the way the whole game is played yeah um so the other option would be to you know create a, another kind of boss that you can then take on at the end of each world so you, at least you get used to it because at the end of the game you just feel like hang on I'm, i've just played this whole game and now i'm doing something entirely separate and yeah you know i'm getting attacked by different things that i've never seen before and uh, so, uh, yeah, I think it really holds up and I think I, I really enjoyed it. But um, there are some niggly bits like that. And I also encountered a few bugs, which is, uh, you know, fairly rare for that, those uh, games that have been, been around for that, that long. Like I, I got pushed through the floor once <laughs> and uh, wow. I think I got shot by a random enemy when I was activating a bridge. So I lost my bridge key and the key the bridge was not uh, activated, so it literally <laughs> oh. got stuck. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's got some big bugs as well. Uh, yeah, so I, I think you know, I, I, I'm happy we played it, and um, uh, I, 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 I was impressed by it when I tried it out. Like, what is that? 20, 25 years ago, and I, I'm happy I played for it now. I don't necessarily. I, I think I can understand why it wasn't a massive success back then but um maybe people thought we were going to have a hundred different prince of persia clones and then they Mm. kind of didn't materialize yeah it's yeah it's one of those games but it's not really the classic that the other cinematic platformers are i feel yeah i think it fits more to the puzzle platformer genre and i think maybe because it's so bloody and it's so brutal it doesn't really feel like a puzzle game so maybe that's just the the disconnect because Mm. if you if you look at it as a puzzle, ga- a puzzle game, it's a lot more rewarding, I think, because um, that's essentially what it is. And with a lot of uh, finding out the pattern and then responding to it. But uh, obviously, if you just want to run around and shoot things, yeah. you're probably better playing an FPS. Yeah. What did you think, Joseph? Well, I think it was like I expected it. Did it hold up? Uh, not really. I mean, it's still a bit, uh, like we said, well, what we already said, a bit slow-paced and... Uh, a bit repetitive, but I would definitely recommend it, especially since it's very easy to get uh, for free from Blizzard. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's well packaged, it runs well, and it's very nice to look at. I personally really, like, this is my preferred style of graphics, like the 2D sprites, mm-hmm. very detailed. 
and the uh, music is nice, sound effects are nice, and it's also quite short. So yeah, it's um, it's a good game to play, and um, I think it's like one of the classics. It's not very well known, but it's it's a classic. Yeah, it's interesting. I think if you want to know more about the history of Blizzard as well, like where they came from and what they were doing at the beginning, so it's interesting to pick this up and just check it out. And you can probably beat the whole game in a weekend if you really sit down for it, because it's just sixteen levels all in all. So yeah, and and if you are impatient, pick up the DOS version and just uh, skip the levels. <laughs> <laughs> just play the levels you like. Yeah, yeah. I feel the game is really well made. But then it just misses something that makes it special or something. I mean, it's, yeah, at at first it's really cool. The first few levels are really nice, but then it's just 10 more of those levels. Yeah, it doesn't really uh, keep you on your toes until the end. So maybe some more items or more enemies or I don't know. Yeah, because in the in the beginning, few, first few levels, it kind of gradually introduces new new enemies new items and it's like oh cool this is the new thing like yeah but then that just stops and then that, and that's it i mean there is yeah of course a couple of exceptions like there's uh the rolling rocky creatures and stuff but yeah it, it just feels like they didn't follow through with the same kind of um adding stuff one one thing one one at a time yeah uh so so after i don't know six eight levels you basically say and everything exactly exactly so oh well i i think that wraps it up right i mean Unless anyone has something to add about Blackthorn. I think that's it. Yeah. I'll just have one comment or question. Um, if, you, if you've if you seen the, the windscreen, um, or if you go to YouTube, Longpay, and, and find the, the windscreen. So the guy, you know, is defeated his, uh, his enemy. And basically, they it's then written that they go and destroy all the other orcs. <laughs> yeah. But the, yeah, the windscreen is basically him sitting on a throne, and there's this... Uh, Nemesis skull on the on the wall, mm-hmm. and then so randomly there's like this this girl next to him, oh. which I guess I guess it's like from '94, so it was <laughs> probably you know necessary. But she's wearing some sort of nurse uniform, and she's holding some sort of green bottle thing, and I'm just wondering what the hell is that, and where did she come from? And you know he seems like he's just sitting on his throne, bored, uh, not really doing anything, looking cool, I guess. Yeah. And she's, I don't know, maybe she's holding the fire hydrant or something. If uh, if a fire should break out, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to decipher what the hell is happening. Sort of a slave or something. <laughs> yeah. I very, don't know. very strange. Maybe maybe she was running after him the whole game and stealing the items at the end of every level. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. She's not in the game as. I I don't think there are any women in the entire game. Well, that's the uh, that's the seer, right? There are two. Ah, okay. Yeah, you have the seer and you have this slave girl, or yeah, yeah. So I just wondered what what the hell was up with that because uh, I uh, I guess it was just par for the course back in '94 that you had to have some sort of female trophy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I guess maybe he. That's the one thing he picked up from Earth. It was his souvenir, maybe. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. So yeah, I, I guess that's Blackthorn. Um, it's it's an okay platformer, I suppose. It looks cool, uh, and it's free. So yeah, why not check it out? Right now, Florian. Yes. I think we got a, a voice message, didn't we? Yeah, we we got one. Um, not about the game, apparently. Um, you pre-screened it. I don't have any idea what it's about. So. Yeah. Well, it's just played. It's a bit long, but you said it was safe to play, so I'll just do that. 
Hi, DOS Game Club. This is uh, Sir Skid, uh, Nick Robbie. Um, I love DOS games. Uh, I have some of my best memories from when I was a kid are, are from playing DOS games uh, with my older sister. Um, uh, a lot of a lot of shareware titles. Uh, I remember playing Commander Keen, Cosmos, Cosmic Adventure, um, uh, Star Goose or uh, Star Goose Warrior, whatever it was called. Um, Jill of the Jungle. Uh, also, all kinds of platformers. Pretty, pretty much all the platformers that you know you guys uh, played when you were young. I, I played too. Um, I uh, I used to just never give up playing these games. I mean, I would spend so much time uh, solving the puzzles, uh, jumping to the the the. You know, I I worked so hard, you know, to get to like uh, the highest point on a on a map you know and then the last jump i wouldn't make it i'd fall all the way down to the bottom and i i would just keep trying and keep trying and keep trying until i got it nowadays you know as an adult playing these games um i i just don't have that kind of patience you know um but yeah so uh i, I played dos games a bunch when i was a kid uh, and none of my friends did. I was the only kid that I knew that that played any of these games, uh, with with a few exceptions. Um, I played uh, like, for example, I never had Doom. I did know a kid that had Doom uh, on his computer, and uh, I remember, yeah, going to his house and playing that. But that made me really nervous, though. I, I was, you know, I was I was pretty young still when uh, when Doom Doom was popular. Uh, so when I first started playing it when I was a kid. It really freaked me out big time. I had never played a game like that. It, it, it just, uh, yeah, I kind of, it kind of terrified me in, in some ways I, I can remember. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, but uh, I still play DOS games. Um, some of my favorite games are, uh, well, XCOM, uh, UFO Defense is, is my favorite, uh, DOS game of all time. I really think, that uh, you should cover it for the club um, because the franchise is still very uh, relevant today and uh, the original creator has a new game coming out pretty soon called Phoenix Point um, and uh, I, I just think that uh, XCOM is, is a great uh, uh, DOS game and uh, I also like XCOM uh, Apocalypse is also uh, an excellent game uh, but, uh, yeah, so I've been playing along with the club uh, when I can. Um, uh, Life and Death, I, I played that game. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> but I, I, I enjoy simulation games. Uh, oh, yeah, SimCity, SimCity 2000. I played that game so much when I was a kid. It blew my mind. Um, I, I just uh, would spend countless hours just obsessing over my over my cities. I, I it was the most amazing thing I'd ever uh, seen back then for sure. Um, the uh, the Hugo trilogy too. I have to mention uh, particularly the first one, Hugo's House of Horrors, was the first game I ever uh, beat, uh, and that that game I. I have very vivid memories of that, and you know these games. I, you know when I when I was a, a kid, they they I loved cartoons, 
And to me, there was no difference between a cartoon and and a and a video game or a, a DOS game. You know, um, it, I just uh, for me it was like I was just able to to control a cartoon character, which for me was just uh, awesome. Uh, and uh, oh, I knew another kid that had Monkey Island. I never had that on my computer. I I do remember playing that. Um, and uh, I recently played that kind of kind of with my wife, and uh, and she's not a, a gamer of any kind. Um, but uh, we had a really really good time playing through that game and beating it. And she never beat a video game before, and that was the first one uh, for her. And uh, yeah, it was it was a good experience. So I love the 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 podcast. Keep it up, guys, uh, and don't forget to think about maybe playing XCOM because it is so excellent. So, yeah. Uh, wow. Goodbye. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> it was really cool. Yeah, that, that was a long one. It was a long one, but it was a nice one. Yeah, much appreciated. Um, so I, I think you mentioned a really good point, actually, with um, you know how games back then were just harder and you just need patience to beat them. Like, I think, uh, just to go back to Blackthorn, like, if if you made a game like that today... You know, if you if you use the only bomb for something else, um, or you know, you used an item that you for the wrong thing, I think any modern game now would respawn that item and be like, oh yeah, go again, have a go. Yeah. But you know, so I don't, I'm not saying one is better or or you know worse than the other, but I think it's just kind of how games have changed in the last twenty years. There's a lot more um, forgiving uh, in the, the game design these days. So yeah, it is it is harder to play all those games because you know you need to be very careful and if you do ma- make mistakes you you need to restart um <laughs> and i also would like to second his uh suggestion of xcom i think that would be a good good game to play yeah definitely so i don't know if it's up on the suggestion forum already but if it isn't then i suggest people should make a thread where uh, xcom is suggested because i think it would be excellent to uh, to have that game with the club. So, uh, and it's an interesting point because of the new game that's being developed yeah. by the original XCOM developer. Actually, I think with E3 going on uh, this weekend, there might be some announcements uh, regarding that game. So, uh, yeah, it could be it could be interesting to to check out XCOM and then to talk about how it compares to what's being developed now. Yeah, very uh, very topical. Yeah, Toss Game Club uh, covering you know uh, modern modern games. What's 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 this all about? Well, 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 modern games. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> we'll still play the the original Dos versions, of course. Uh, but yeah, could be interesting to check that out. So definitely, definitely noted. Uh, and thanks for the message, Nick. Awesome, much appreciated. Definitely. Yeah. So what else is going on? Well, of. Of course, we are still playing games again. Um, at the moment, in June, we are playing Knights of the Sky, which is a World War One dogfight simulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think people are enjoying it. So we will see in the um, episode about it what people actually think. And then next month, we are going to play Theme Hospital. This is one game that I'm really looking forward to because that's yeah. actually one that I played a ton of as a kid. Mm, definitely. Yeah, that should be good. Although, yeah. It should be good, and I really like it, but it's also by Bullfrog, and I really don't like Peter <laughs> Molyneux, like so yeah, we'll talk about that. But yeah, Theme Hospital, definitely awesome. So uh, 
Yeah, cool. I'm I'm also looking forward to that. And last May, of course, we played Rise of the Robots, right? Yes. So the next one. Right. Which we're going to record in actually just a few days. Yeah. We, we are a bit behind the schedule now, but we're catching up again. Exactly. So. Exactly. We're putting on all the efforts. So um, we actually don't know what we'll be playing in August, right? No. Um, I guess we'll know by the time we record the next episode. So yeah. just stay tuned. <laughs> We'll have to just dig through the suggestion forum and see what's uh, what could be a good one. Although I just checked and XCOM was suggested, so that would be a great one. So I guess we should pick XCOM. Oh. We didn't have a tactics game for a while, right? Yeah, maybe XCOM should be the August game. So, well, that's sorted. <laughs> Very good. There you go. <laughs> thanks, Nick. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Uh, yeah, awesome. So that that wraps it up then, right? Um, right. If you if you like this this DOS stuff, maybe uh, head over to dosgameclub.com, which is our website where you can find our forums and you can talk about the games we're playing there. Uh, we're also on IRC. We have a, a chat room set up on Afternet, which is called DOS Game Club, so you can join that. Or you can use the website where we have a, an online widget to, to join the chat room there. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, where we're called DOS Game Club, so... That's how you can uh, get updates on what's going on with the podcast and everything. And if you're listening to this in a podcasting app, then maybe uh, leave a review. That's uh, much appreciated. And that also gets the word out to other people. So, yeah, that's that's a good way to help us out. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. Please do. Um, And that's it, I think. So, yeah, thanks a lot for listening. And also... Thank you guys for for being here. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Of course. Of course, of course. Very cool. So, uh, yeah, until the next time. See you. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>